This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I am honored, truly, to be introducing Senator Armando Peter, who is our keynote for um, this luncheon today. I'm honored for various reasons. He is um, hes a leader in Mexico uh, representing the state of Guerrero, and uh, elected to that post in 2012, he is affectionately nicknamed the Jaguar. And the reason for that, Jaguar are very, um, very closely tied to the history of Mexico as uh, an animal of honor. And he's known as a man, as a, a political leader of action, not just one who talks and makes a lot of promises, but one that actually takes action. Previously, he served in, in Congress, elected to that post in 2009, again representing the state of Guerrero. Um, but he recognizes that he doesn't just represent the state of Guerrero. He actually has a shared constituency with the United States, the Mexicans living here in the United States and started uh, a Operation Monarch, which he'll talk about today, um, to address the, uh, many of the proposals and that, the negative nar- narrative that had been um, shared during the presidential election. As a, uh, he introduced legislation in September before the election as to empower the Senate to take action if needed if, the, if Trump were elected president and were to take actions that were of um, damaging to the country or to its people living abroad. The senator in, um, not only has um, in, introduced and, and started this Operation Monarch, but just recently, a week or so ago, introduced legislation to specifically... Um, in response to some of the um, proposed um, the, the proposed um, initiatives from the new administration to limit or protect Mexico's dependency on U.S. imports of corn that come from the state of Nebraska. And the state of Nebraska's number one export market is Mexico. And what were to happen if Mexico stopped purchasing its corn from Nebraska. It would be detrimental to that state. The senator introduced this legislation to protect Mexico. This is one of many actions that we might see in the renegotiation of NAFTA and in the administration's policies in general. And something very important to include in today's conversation where we've talked about what are the, who are the winners and losers of NAFTA who are the winners and losers of negotiating, renegotiating NAFTA, opening it up to possible retaliation and a trade war? What are those implications? You can see already that there, there are very serious ramifications. And um, I think this is important to include in today's conversation. And so with that, I um, would ask you to join me in welcoming Senator Armando Peter to the podium. 
I would like to, to present you what, what we think, well, what I think about the current situation we have with the U.S. I think it's very important to say to you guys who are analyzing uh, what's happening to trade and what can happen to security and all the things that you are analyzing today. Because for, for me, I think there's uh, the most important topic to analyze nowadays is the relationship in between the U.S. and uh, Mexico. I think there's not uh, anything more vibrant, more complex uh, that needs to be analyzed than the relationship we, we have with the U.S. And uh, we are having a very bad time in terms of understanding it, at least me in the Senate. I don't, don't understand it very well, no? We had uh, the two ministers, the one from the, the Secretary of State and the Minister for Homeland Security last week, and uh, everything that's happening right now is uh, uncertain, no? You would think that uh, having these two uh, important guys there would help in terms of generating a, very, a better way to understanding each other. But in my opinion, this didn't happen. I think there is a lot of uh, of worries about what the American president will do, and uh, he says one day one thing, and then the Secretary of State goes there and, and says a very different thing, and there's a lot of uncertainty. So it's good to have so many intelligent people gathered together to try to analyze this and other things, no? So uh, the presentation I have here is... Uh, well, you guys know a lot about this, no? Just we generated a, a, a view about how important the relationship with the U.S. Uh, regarding immigrants is not only for uh, for Mexico but for all uh, all of the world. Uh, immigrants uh, founded venture funds, created 450,000 jobs, and represented market capitalization of rough, roughly 500 billion dollars, no? Uh, migration is important, what I, I'm trying to say. And uh, now immigration is at stake. Everybody is, well, a part of the U.S. is saying immigration is not a good thing, or probably that's the sensation I have. I was in Arizona about three weeks ago, and uh, there's this sense that uh, there's attack on immigrants. Not only because of the new president. Of course, in Arizona, this has been happening for a couple of years, that's the place where Arpaio, though the Arpaio was famous for attacking uh, Mexican Im immigrants mainly. Uh, the SB 1070 is from there. So, uh, what I would like to say is, immigration is important for the U.S. The numbers say so. Uh, there's a lot of money produced because of immigrants. There's a lot of capitalization of this economy. There's a in my opinion, immigration is good for civilization. Hearing people from different places, knowing each other from different places, generates more civilization. But now there is a position in Washington that says probably that's not a good idea. So I think we need to understand that because, uh, in my opinion, I used to study in the U.S. from 2000 to 2003 that I met Jeff Jeffrey Davido in Harvard. I met him there, now that I saw him. Uh, so the, the thing is that uh, the whole speech I used to know about uh, the United States was like uh, hearing to other ways of thinking, trying to be comprehensive to different ways of thinking, and generating good things because of diversity. 
And uh, in my opinion, that's what immigration does. Not only Mexican immigration, but immigration itself helps having a better understanding of humanity. No? But now there's a position very different from the thing I heard for decades about the United States. And uh, I think, or my opinion is that uh, ethical and moral leadership of the U.S. is based somehow in that, uh, that way of seeing immigration. But now that's changing. No? Or uh, the president of the, un the, of the U.S., the new president, uh, is, does not agree with that view. I, I think that's the, 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 the ethical and moder moral leadership of the U.S. is at stake because of that position. Probably not now, but in the future, in the coming future. And I just wanted to say that here. Uh, U.S.-Mexico, you guys know a lot of this. But uh, U.S.-Mexico is very important, a, a very important relationship. I think there's no more complex or vibrant relationship than the one that Mexico and the U.S. have. We have uh, one ten percent of our population here. Of course, uh, that's because of the disaster we have in Mexico in different areas. I just want to uh, tell you a story that recently I heard in Los Angeles of uh, a woman, a woman, a woman from uh, Oaxaca, who we were talking. A couple of friends of uh, of mine, a couple of senators who who designed are, are working at the Operation Monarch, which I'm, talking, I'm going to talk to you about. We went to Los Angeles, and we had this meeting with people from Oaxaca, especially. And this girl, this, well, this woman, uh, told us, you know something? Uh, I am not afraid. I am not afraid of uh, Donald Trump. I'm not afraid of his speech. I'm not afraid of what he's saying. Uh, I'm not afraid almost of anything, because I came through the desert, I uh, went for three or four days without any water, and then I had uh, two or three jobs and I didn't know the language, or I did a lot of things for a lot, about 20 years. And uh, now uh, my kids he's, here have school. And you know what I am afraid of? I am afraid of going back to hell. What do you mean about going back to hell? Yeah, if you guys take me, if I have to go back to Mexico, that's for me going back to hell. Because in Oaxaca, I have no water, no drinking water. Uh, my kids have no schools. And uh, probably if someone kills you there, nobody will even take a notice of that. So uh, first I want to put this in a very clear position because we in Mexico have a, a disaster in different areas that we need to fix, of course. And uh, I think it's, 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 a, it's an important point of uh, starting the discussion because Mexico hasn't done a lot of things that we now need to do right now, no? Probably the wall of Trump, uh, or Trump's wall is not, uh, is not made, made of bricks. It's made of uh, mirrors where you can see what we haven't done for a couple of years in Mexico and that we now urgently need to do. If we have 12 million people back there, well, we need to give them employment. We uh, didn't think about uh, generating employment because we had the U.S. economy for generating them. Well, now that's over, probably, no? And that should be over. That should be over in terms of generating employment there in Mexico, and that should be over in terms of respecting human rights. But, well, that's not the thing I'm going to talk to you about. But I am very aware of this thing, of this situation, because Donald Trump and his speech is uh, signaling a lot of things that if they change, 
well, they are going to make a very strong shift, shift on a, a lot of the bases, we have relied for uh, the two past decades, no? NAFTA, 20% uh, 20% uh, of our economy depends on NAFTA, no? Well, if it stops, if it ends unilaterally, we need to generate that 20% in Mexico, no? If the remittances are uh, stop uh, going to Mexico, and if our immigrants have to go back there, we need to get employment, as I was saying, and we need to generate a, a whole new way of analyzing the way Mexico is functioning. But, of course, that's uh, one thing we need to do, but in the same um, situation, we need to take care of the people that are here. No? If their human rights, their civil rights are attacked, if they uh, uh, get hostilized because of this new government, well, we need to do things in order to take care of their human rights because they're humans, not only because they're Mexicans, because they're people, no? And they shouldn't be bullied. Their kids shouldn't be bullied in their schools, no? And I think that's the way we need to analyze the things. We haven't done a lot of things. Of course, we must recognize it. But the people who are, who are here have rights as humans. And uh, that's something I think we need to put on the table. Uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, there's a new paradigm. Of course, uh, the current position of uh, President Donald Trump has said that uh, Mexico is not a friend. Of, or, well, he had a lot of tweets saying that during the campaign. He hasn't said any, any more since he's the president, but, but he doesn't need to say it. He acts, he acts like that, no? He makes a very uh, Trumpial position when he says, we're going to build the wall, no? And that's like an answer of President Peña Nieto saying, I'm going to see uh, President Trump to see if we can renegotiate NAFTA, no? So that's the way uh, Trump is acting last, last week when he was going to send his uh, Secretary of State, just uh, one day before he said that, that he was going to have some, somehow or some kind of uh, military action against migrants, no? 15,000 people in the border taking care of the American security. And uh, well, what I'm trying to say is that's the, the way the U.S. is acting or the government of the U.S. is acting. So I think Mexico should put very clear on the table what Mexico brings into the relationship, which is, uh, is no es poquito. No? I think we bring a lot in a very important relationship, and Mexico hasn't put it very clear on the table. No, I've been very critical to the Mexican government when, the, when Peña Nieto invited uh, Donald Trump to Los Pinos, to the presidential house. I took a... I don't know how you say Cartolina. I took one of these, no? And I went to the Angel of the Independencia with 10 more people to say uh, Mexico against Trump. I, 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 I don't like, I didn't like seeing my president with Donald Trump at the presidential house. As 95% of the Mexican people didn't like it, no? So I think the government hasn't been very assertive, very strong in putting very clear to the United States what we bring into the table. What we bring into the table? Probably uh, when you take a look to the relationship regarding security, well, we do a lot of things regarding anti-terrorism. 
that is not a priority for Mexico. But we built and designed a lot of uh, instruments, a lot of uh, policies to protect a neighbor who, who was who we were looking as being friends and uh, sharing a common future and building a common future. I, that's the way I like to see NAFTA and the past to the Cates. But, uh, well, things changed. And the question I ask for myself every day, why should we continue collaborating with a hostile government in Washington? Why should we keep on doing anti-terrorism, uh, anti-terrorist actions when we spend money, we spend uh, things uh, that probably we shouldn't continue doing. I mean, that's a good thing to ask to ourselves as Mexicans. And it's, I think it's a good way to say to the U.S., hey, come on, uh, if we have built so much together, why are you changing your position? If you don't need my collaboration anymore, then I can make some shifts and I can change. That's what sovereign countries do. And that's what I would like my president be doing, and, of course, the whole administration. We haven't done that yet. I hope I wanted that to happen last week. That, I don't know if that happened, but I wanted, when they were asking me, what would you say to Tylerson and uh, to Kelly? Well, I would say I won't continue any collaboration with the United States of America regarding terrorism. Or that's my leverage point, No. As the same I've been doing regarding corn. I won't continue reading that. That's for you. I'll keep it. But uh, the same thing regarding corn. I mean, uh, the president of the U.S. has made this speech in all his campaign, saying Mexico takes takes advantage of the U.S. NAFTA is uh, something that should stop. And disinforming people and saying lies regarding NAFTA. I mean, you guys know what NAFTA means. Not only for Mexico, which has been very, very important for generating employment and generating good things for different states in my uh, country. But it is also important for the U.S. If it's 6 million or 14 million, I don't know, direct or indirect employment, the U.S. wins a lot because of NAFTA also. And that's what countries do when they see that working together is important and is something good to do. Then you generate this kind of agreements, and you have two decades of common growth. Probably there are things to, that, that could become better, no? But you, uh, I, I, I wouldn't imagine somebody running for president saying, hey, these guys, uh, they're in the border, I ta- are taking advantage of us. That, that's, like, somehow ridiculous. But, of course, there's people who are disinformed, who have no information, who don't know, and uh, say, yeah, these guys are the ones... The ones with the black skin or the morena skin, no? The brown skin are the ones who are the cause of all, all the diseases of our country. And that's the kind of speech that just arrived into, into the White House. So I think it's important in terms of decency but also dignity and uh, talking together for building together things, saying, okay, well, if uh, Mexico takes so much advantage of this relationship with the U.S., what about if we stop buying corn? I mean, it's not only about the anti-terrorism issue. Let's talk about business and let's talk about trade. Since NAFTA is so uh, prejudicial to the U.S., what about if Mexico stops buying $1,600 million a year to the Midwest? 
since in the Midwest, Iowa or Indiana or now the North Dakota or South Dakota or Wisconsin or Nebraska are the ones who support the most the anti-Mexican speech. What about if we give them a signal? What about if we tell them probably it's a better idea to buy it to Brazil since it is cheaper? The interesting thing is that it's cheaper to buy it to, to, to Brazil. It's incredible, huh? If you buy it in Brazil and you bring it by ship, it's $10 less the tone buying it to Brazil than buying it to the U.S. Well, of course, we got engaged in doing business with, with the U.S. because it was a common agenda, it was a common purpose, and it was, it was a good bet to do. But now, uh, probably it's interesting to say, what about if we buy it to Brazil? No? And then, that's a way we can make a shift regarding... Uh, Latin America, which we have left alone as a country for so many years. And, and uh, not only by a need to Brazil and to Argentina and to Canada, but also investing now again in Mexico. I used to be the Minister for Rural Affairs in my hometown, which is a very poor one. I'm from the state of Guerrero. Guerrero has been very famous in the last two years because the guys from Ayotzinapa, the 43 kids who were kidnapped, are from Guerrero. No? So I'm I'm the senator from that state. It's a very complex one. It's a very poor one, but a very, very violent one. And we have like uh, 100,000 hectares, uh, which could be used for generating corn, that we don't use, that we don't give them money. And you have the same situation in Chiapas, or the same situation in Oaxaca, or the same situation in uh, Sonora, or the same situation in uh, Nuevo León. Because we... Uh, didn't spend much money for the last two decades in these things because it was easier to buy it to the Midwest, to the Corn Belt, to the guys who now support the anti-Mexican speech. No? So I think it's a, I, as I said, I used to live in Washington, and I learned that uh, this system works a little better than ours in Mexico. No? We want to our system to work uh, as good as yours works. But now we, may, we need to put it uh, a prueba, no? We need to prove it. And it's interesting to generate this kind of position. So these farmers from the Midwest of the Corn Belt <laughs> probably say, hey, didn't Donald Trump say that uh, these guys were taking advantage of us? So then what's happened if they don't buy us the corn? So probably that's a good signal. And probably that's a good way to let them be interested in what Mexico means for a common relationship. And probably that's the best way, since Americans, if you hit them in the pocket, probably they're pretty more prone to get interested in issues. Not the ones from San Diego, but the ones from the Midwest, probably. <laughs> so, uh, and the thing is, probably it's a good way to say, hey, let's take a little more care about what we are doing now in Washington. And probably these farmers can make a call or send an email to their senator or to their congressman, and probably that's a good way to have a different impact in the relationship which doesn't have to do only with the president uh, of the United States and the Mexican president. It's a more complex thing. And here are people from the business, and here are people probably who have to do with the policies and with the academics. I think that's what we should be doing. That's why we designed Operation Monarch. Operation Monarch is a, a, a dynamic a, a policy, a strategy that I, I'm sorry for saying I, but it was me, no? Uh, I, 
I designed with some of my colleagues since Mexico. Everyone is fighting each other, no? Everyone, the ones who are from the pre, don't, don't trust the ones who are from the pan, and the ones who are from the PRD. Everyone's fighting every time. And we now have the good opportunity that uh, we have this guy who is named Donald Trump, who made this huge opportunity of all of us working together, no? First time ever, no? For a long time, no? So uh, we came here to Los Angeles, and we uh, met a couple of senators who, who like Mexico, senators from California. Actually, a senator from here who is a, a very talented, talented guy and who is a, a very young uh, senator, Senator Hueso, no? who, who they say, hey, we like Mexico. No? We don't like Donald Trump. Of course, he's a, a Democrat. No? But uh, <laughs> says, there's a different speech right now than the one we have in California. No? I, and I love the way I heard it. I don't know if it was from Wes or from uh, Kevin DeLeon, but they said, for us, migrants are part of our prosperity. And we have our future based on our migrants. And that's totally different from what I've been hearing. So that's a good thing, no? And uh, uh, not, only because, not only regarding uh, migrants, but education to migrants and policies to migrants is something that's very interesting happening here. And uh, we designed this Operation Monarch. Okay, I'm finishing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, my English is not that good, but I can speak a lot. <laughs> the thing is that we generated this Operation Monarch with all these senators, and we said, who can we build alliances with? No? As we said, let's go to California because there's this speech and there's these people here, not only in terms of NGOs, in churches, in terms of activists, but also in the academia and in the Senate of the Californian senators, a way to do alliances. And that's the thing that we should be doing now. We have this speech right now that is installed there no? in, in Washington, which is very prone to, to hate or probably to, to lying. Uh, we should be building an ally and alliances with those guys who feel the same way as we do regarding our migrants or regarding the future of Mexico and the U.S. So for me, it's very important to be here. In Operation Monarch, we got some $50 million for our consulates. Here's our consulate from San Diego. And we hope that this money helps in terms of giving information, giving uh, the, like paying it to, to some buffets, judicial buffets, you, uh, that can help our people, giving them information regarding how their rights, how to use them, and how to, how, how to f use the system for them not being so uh, harassed. And uh, tomorrow is uh, a, a, a bill that we uh, generated with the President Peña Nieto regarding education. As you guys know, dreamers, if they go back to Mexico, their studies wouldn't be revalidated. And that's, uh, you, you could be from Harvard or from USC or uh, somewhere, best school in town, this one, USC. This one, right? Sorry. I, I studied at the Northeast, I'm so sorry. Uh, but, but anyway, this one, the best school in town. And if you went to Mexico, nobody would revalidate it. And it's like nonsense. We have right now the, the, the threat of people being deported, and these kids who are very precious in terms of human capital, they wouldn't get their studies revalidated. So, so that's something we've been doing. That's all about Operation Monarch. And we've been working with uh, President Peña Nieto since we right now need to be working all together. I'm pretty mad most of the time about President Peña Nieto and what he does. But 
I need to say in my public speeches that I support him regarding this issue. <laughs> and, uh, but, but right now we need to work together, no? Our story is so bad regarding when we are not united, it's so bad regarding international affairs, no? That we need to be united. But the most important thing, and that's what I would like to close with, is be united with the people who love Mexico and U.S. relationship. Being united all together, doing alliance, alliances, building a common future. That's what I learned. That's what I like about being in San Diego or going to any place of a, of a country I really love a lot. This one, the United States. No? But I don't like anybody saying that my country is, is aggressive to it. So if we can build a common future, this is the place where it works, where businessmen, where politicians, where academics can think about it. But if that doesn't work, then Mexico needs to stand very clear and in a very dignifying way to say we are a, a, a country that brings a lot in this relationship and we can take a sovereign decision if, uh, if we need to. No? So thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.